podcast, I'm joined by Joe Fuller from The Merry Menopause. So Joe, um, introduce yourself to the listeners and um, tell us about yourself, please. Okay, so good afternoon, everyone, or good morning. I don't know when this is going to be aired. Uh, my name is Joe Fuller. I am the founder of The Merry Menopause online community. Um, I'm 50. And in my early 40s, I noticed that I was changing mentally and physically. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, And I thought I had some chronic illness. Um, And it was only when I started to research and talk and ask questions, I realised that what I was experiencing, which was mainly anxiety um, and sleep deprivation, were two really common symptoms of the perimenopause. Um, And I hadn't even heard the perimenopause. So through that sort of two years of being really struggling, I thought this is a disservice to women. Women need to know about this period in your life, which starts in your early to mid 40s, when you're still having periods and takes you up into your early 50s when your periods stop and it's called the perimenopause. And then after that, after your periods stop, you've had a year of no periods, you're then in menopause at one day, and then you go into postmenopause. Okay. And it's a transition that really we don't know about because our mothers, our generation, our mothers didn't speak about it. So we're completely ill-informed. And that's what I want to change is A, the stigma that surrounds it. It's a really negative thing. I personally think it's a really powerful thing, a really positive transition. Um, and open up the conversation so people know what's happening. Mm, get people talking. I love that. So did you have to, um, you said you didn't know what was happening to you. That's, that sounds terrifying. Did you work out yourself what was going on or did you, how much help from the medical profession did you have? Well, I didn't. I'm, uh, I'm not one really going to the doctors. Um, a lot of my friends at the time were being prescribed with antidepressants. Um, I didn't think I was depressed. I had low mood. Um, I mean, the three most common symptoms of the perimenopause are cognitive, right. not physical, then cognitive, which is low mood, uh, anxiety and depression. And they're the three most common symptoms that women um, experience. And they do think there's something going on. And a lot of women do think they're depressed and they go to the doctors at the age of 42, 43, 44. And the doctor just goes, yeah, antidepressants. No dimensions of perimenopause. Um, and I didn't want to go on a prescription drug. And it was like, you know, but we're all kind of explore what's going on. Like, mm. the same stuff going on, what's going on. Uh, and I just, I spoke to older women. I did some research and suddenly, it didn't take long to find mm. the information. But I had to go looking for it. On the grapevine. On the grapevine. Mainly through the older women I practiced yoga with. Oh, that's... Um, you know, a changing room at any, any sports facility, I think, is a mm. great source of information. In a way, I love that. It's like our elders passing down. Yeah, and that's how I feel. I feel now at 50 that I, so I'm passionate about um, menstrual cycle tracking and Mm -hmm. educating younger women on their menstrual cycle. Because I think if you do want to have a merry menopause, you've really got to understand what's going on every month. You know, Mm -hmm. we are at the mercy of our hormones every month. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you can harness that and see how powerful and how much information is in that cycle, you won't go into your menopause, A, scared, scared is, is something I like to say um and enough education so that you don't instantly reach for medication necessarily it's like well actually I know what these changes are because they've happened every month but this is actually a bigger hormonal change but I'm still recognizing that it's really natural and it should be happening 
Mm-hmm. And with those symptoms of the perimenopause, the anxiety and depression, um, what have you, is that purely based in hormonal changes, would you say? I think midlife, that, that time, that sort of phrase that's becoming really popular now, for a lot of women, there's an awful lot of stuff going on. They've got, you know, women are, are mm. working later, having children later. So you get to that sort of early mid-40s period, you've got young children, you're climbing the career ladder, uh, mm. you've got ageing parents, you know, there's an awful lot going on for an awful lot of women. So I don't think everything can be mm. attributed to a hormone uh, drop-off. But I think the ability on hormones, especially estrogen, can really help us to cope with day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And losing that at that period of time when there's so much going on is definitely one of the factors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, some women at that time might need the help of an antidepressant. I'm not saying that yes. you know, it's, it's the wrong thing to do. It wasn't the right thing for me to do. No. And were you were offered antidepressants? No, I didn't. By the time I'd, I'd, I'd kind of sussed it out myself and it was yes. like, okay. So, you know, I'd given up at that point, given up drinking. Um, and I was starting to feel an awful lot better. And just even knowing what was going on, I think it was 80% of me feeling better. Mm. I'm not ill. There's nothing wrong. This is normal and natural. And I've got to go through it. I can't suppress it. It has to happen. Mm. Every woman will have a menopause. Yeah. Yes. Not every woman will have a baby, but every woman will have a menopause. This, you know, this is something that affects 51% of the world's population. Yeah. And it's still shrouded in secrecy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that 80% of feeling better was just knowing what was going on. That is free. You know, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have any side effects. It's just literally uh, talking and knowing, isn't it? And that's, yeah. you know, that's how I see the, mer- the mer- menopause. I see myself as a curator of information. Mm-hmm. I love to read and I love to research um, and especially as things start to affect me um, you know I want to read about it so I then write about it and put it up on the very menopause so I see that as a you know a hub and information hub for women to go and get information and mm. learn about what's happening to their amazing bodies and mm. you know, embrace it and acknowledge it and run with it mm. don't be scared of it because it really is it's not as dreadful as we're made to believe by any means mm. And just uh, what is some of the background of the menopause being shrouded in secrecy and made out to be this horrific thing? Well, how has that come about? So it's very much linked historically. I think we're definitely changing that narrative now. Very much linked historically to a women's life being over. You know, so women, you know, we're living longer. So we have our last period roughly around the age of 51, 52 the average life expectancy of a woman in the UK is early 80s. Mm. That's 30 years. Yeah. You know, so average life expectancy in Victorian times was much, much lower. So mm-hmm. you know, it kind of was the menopause and die. Yeah. And then as we started to live longer uh, and women weren't, they didn't have their position in society that we have today with careers, you know, basically well, housewives stayed at home, raised the children, mm. kids left home. They started to become perimenopausal, menopausal, husband retired, it was kind of, it was the end. There was nothing. Mm. And it's so different nowadays. You know, 50, mm. in, you know, so many people, I know amazing things women are doing in their 50s. They're not ready. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't mean the end. I think it's the start. I mean, mm. if you look at your life in blocks of 30 years, mm. this is this is a chunk of time. This is the, mm. that, that end block. And there's so much to do. Yes. Women. Yes. But I mean, I... Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think... I know very little really about the menopause and I'm not an expert. You know, when I was practicing nutrition, I would have a couple of clients 
um, who I would help with nutrition. I, I can't really remember whether it worked or not anymore, but you know, it was never an area of interest. And then, so my only other real bit of knowledge is when I was living at home as a teenager with my mum. And the only kind of feeling I have is like, it was just this awful thing. Please give me some tablets, you know, and it was all whispered, hushed about, you know, so I, even in that, that, that long ago, I mean, not that long ago, it was still very much, I would say, had a lid on it. Oh my gosh, Melanie, my mum was a nurse. So when I was, you know, a teenager coming, you know, the start of my hormonal journey, my mum was at the end of hers. So I had too many hormones. She didn't have enough. And our relationship was dreadful. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing in the kitchen, just screaming at each other. Mm -hmm. Had the stigma re been removed of what she was going through, mm -hmm. had my, you know, start of my periods been normalised, we would have had a conversation about mm -hmm. hormones and what we were both going through. And it would have transformed our relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, but even for her as a nurse, and she was broad-minded, my mum, you know, mm -hmm. it just wasn't something you discussed with your daughters or with anybody. Yeah. And my 88-year-old dad now is embracing my, you know, the perimenopause and the work I'm doing. Um, and he's like, oh, because your mother never talked about it. Oh, how wonderful. Like, oh, my God. But it was a two-way conversation. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> just... And I think that's the other thing about opening up the conversation to men. Men need to know what's going mm. on. It's not a mm. girl's club thing. It's not a secret. No, no, it isn't. So what comes so many relationships because, you know, women feel so stigmatised. They think they're old. They think they, you know, that's it. Their life's over. Their looks are gone. You know, they see it as a really negative time. Mm. All because they're losing oestrogen and they're getting a bit, you know, their skin might be sagging and they might have mm. a little bit of weight. You know, it's not all about how you're looking. So what can we all do to end the stigma and, and, and talk more positively about this? So talk about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely talk about it. I mean, I think now even, you know, Mary Menopause is a year old. Even since I started, there are so many more resources, blogs, podcasts, websites, people out there, women out there like me, we're called menovists who are, you know, opening up the conversation, removing the shame, taking away the stigma. Um, and talk and get I think it's about making informed choices for your health and well-being. Yes, there is the option of hormone replacement therapy, HRT, but there's also and, and the way I come at it is, and I think very much the way you come at it, which is I think, you know, why we've become friends over the years, is there's a reason. These there's a reason behind these symptoms. There's something happening in your body mm -hmm. and your body wants to lose these hormones. Mm -hmm. And it's not, a, it's not a negative thing. Mm -hmm. And it's about embracing it, harnessing it, and learning what you can do to feel better, which mm -hmm. is a, a mindset around it, mm -hmm. acknowledging that this change is going to happen. Definitely looking at lifestyle, what you're eating, what you're drinking, how little or not are you exercising. Mm -hmm. And I think the menopause also raises an awful lot of questions for a lot of women. I think a lot of stuff that's been buried in the past really comes to the surface. And I think it's a real time if you're brave enough and vulnerable enough to really deal with those issues and get them sorted once and for all. And then move into that next stage, that next 30 years, clear of all that stuff that maybe you've been dragging around for an awful long time. What kind of stuff do you mean? It could be damage from relationships, it could be history of abuse, it could be just holding on to the resentment of a, an old friendship with a girlfriend that you just keep rumin have been ruminating over for 20 years it's like do you pick up the phone and make amends or do you just you know do something get some help just to let stuff go it's 
about dealing with all that stuff that causes you stress. Mm. And, you know, stress during the menopause is something you really want to minimise. Indeed. I mean, the menopause, you know, in a science thing, is the loss of the sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. And that's when your ovaries stop functioning. But you still produce those hormones, those sex hormones in your adrenals, little glands that sit above your kidneys that produce cortisol and adrenaline. So when you're in heightened stress constantly, as, as you know, you use adrenal, you get something called adrenal fatigue, where adrenals mm. just get worn out. And if you go into this period of your life with really exhausted adrenals, they're not going to be able to produce that little bit of backup sex hormones that you need, you really, really need. So I think it's all that stuff that serves thing that's buried is stressful. Mm. Uh, that's really interesting and I, I confess that I didn't know that um, but adrenal fatigue does underpin so much of of everything that I see in my business and um, it's it's massive it's isn't it the night in a way for a week in menopause it's really common to start going to the toilet a lot at night mm -hmm. um, and that's that's caused by your overactive adrenals right yeah. overactive well, but just pumping out too oh, much right. of the, the cortisol and would that be called overactive? I don't know. Just producing too just much active stress hormones. Yeah. So what have you found with yourself and your community that is uh, a, a useful for supporting that, uh, supporting your adrenals so that when you go into uh, menopause, you're, they're functioning nicely and they can support you? Well, talking. Okay. Absolutely talking, sharing, being vulnerable, really mm -hmm. being vulnerable. Um, big fan of Brene Brown and all mm -hmm. her work about, you know, just telling people how you really feel, how it is, for you, is, it is, is huge for reducing stress and how you're feeling. And that's, you know, it's your family, that's your partner, that's your friends. Mm. You might have a really off day where you're just a bit of a, you know, a nasty, not a nasty piece of work, but you're just having an off day where mm. everybody you encounter just at the, you know, uh, the receiving end of you and you're and then, you know that evening you'll just spend your night you know beating yourself up about your behavior mm. and it's actually just like god i'm having a really crap day mm. I'm yes. i don't know tracking your menstrual cycle right late stage in life if you're still cycling track your menstrual cycle understand what your hormones do and how they affect you mentally and physically is a huge tool um exercise mm -hmm. mentally and physically get out there and exercise Although we're losing oestrogen, and the big part of the menopause is, you know, the hormone replacement therapy, keeping your oestrogen, your body actually takes the oestrogen it wants and then it gets rid of what it doesn't. So it has a certain amount that it absorbs and it uh, gets rid of it through the liver. Yeah. So liver function is hugely important. That's diet, that's alcohol, that's smoking, that's sleep. But exercise really, really, really helps to stimulate the liver and help mm -hmm. it to actually detox. So exercise is hugely important in whatever form you like. I was going to say, what, what kind of exercise? Anything, anything that kind, anything that gets your body moving, mm. whether that be, you know, yoga, walking, running, swimming, and just keep moving. Dancing. Dancing, dancing, amazing. You know, mm. just anything, just start keeping your body moving. And that also will help, you know, with lubrication of your joints and your bones. You rest, you rust. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. And yeah. it just makes you feel good. Yes. Yes. And in terms of tracking your menstrual cycle, what would you recommend is the best way of doing that? 
pen and paper. Yeah. Get a book. Get a yes, you can use an app. You can do it and, and if that's your if that's your thing, absolutely. There's you know, I think even on your iPhone now it's a free um app. Um but I think pen and paper, and in its simplest form, it's one word a day about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if you don't know where you are in your cycle, just start, get a really nice notebook, get a really nice pen. And even if you just write tired, angry, happy, mm-hmm. you know, just start with one word a day and slowly you will, you know, you'll come to, you'll come to a bleed in your cycle. And the d- first day of your first bleed where it's heavy enough to use a sanitary product, that's day one. Okay. It's not spotting a few days before it's the, the day we actually start needing to use something to stem the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's day one. And what, what are the biggest benefits of tracking, would you say? So our hormones dictate how we feel. So day one, when you're bleeding, your hormones are at their, their lowest. So kind of the week before you, you bleed, you're going to feel really low mood. You're going to feel tired, uh, maybe a bit anxious, completely normal. Your hormones are, are at their lowest. And then after you've bled for two, three, four days, your estrogen starts to rise. And it's the estrogen that is the, the hormone that really is, you know, who we are. It's, a, it's an individual template. Every woman produces their own um, estrogen. And it really is our personality. It's really who we are. And you will notice that estrogen rising and your mood rising. Uh, and it peaks around ovulation, so right in the middle of your cycle. So if we're talking about a 28-day cycle, days or 14, and you'll start to notice that that day is like, woohoo, it's your skin's clear, your mood's high, you've lost any bloating from when you've had your periods, everything fits, and you're just being your best self. You're also when you're most, you're most nurturing, you're most flirtatious, because Mother Nature wants you to go out there and mate. And um, an egg. Yeah, go on, go and go and do your bit. Um, and it, you'll also, you can find that you actually want to travel further afield. You don't want to go to that same coffee shop. Interesting. You might go to the coffee shop a couple of streets away because Mother Nature, again, is going, get out of your gene pool. Go right. Go a little bit further away. And then as you reach that peak, you can't, and that's the thing that a lot of women seem to think they have this peak. And then it slowly declines. Your estrogen slowly declines and your mood declines. And a lot of women then think that they've got a mental illness because it's like, well, I just felt brilliant two days mm. ago. And mm. now I've got no energy and I hate the kids and my husband's driving me mad. It's natural. It's normal. You know, you don't need medical intervention. You just need to understand what's going on. Mm. And, you know, it will drop, 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 drop. And then your progesterone comes in because that's what's preparing you for a pregnancy. And if you don't have a pregnancy, the progesterone triggers a bleed. Mm-hmm. And then it starts again. Mm-hmm. And if you cycle track, those highs and lows of the month will become really familiar and you'll be able to be really compassionate to yourself and really kind to yourself because you will know that it's normal and this was happens every month. Mm. Mm. Also, it can pick up any underlying health issues. You know, if you notice you get particular aches and pains, you know, at certain times of the month. And if you do it for three months, you go to your doctor and say, you know, on the 11th day of every month, I get this pain here and it's happened three months in a row. I've got the data. I really can you refer me? I need to go and see something. The doctor's going to be delighted. He's got a 10 minute appointment and you've presented him three months worth of data about your body. Mm. You know, and it's going to, you know, so it can really help to uncover things. And it can also, you know, if your mood doesn't rise and fall, if you stay low all month, then that, you know, that's, that's telling you something because, well, there's a real hormone imbalance. And how do yeah. you sort out a hormone imbalance? And how do you sort out a hormone imbalance? 
well, you can have medical intervention, you can have mm-hmm. replacements. Yeah. It could just be that, you know, simple adjustments in lifestyle. It could be looking at the diet. Yeah. Looking at the factors around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you in a miserable job? Are you in a miserable relationship? Yeah. 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 Have a really stressful journey to work. Mm. Yeah. Mm. With a really noisy flatmate, you know, all yeah. of those. No, we are dictated by hormones of water, really, aren't we? Yes, yes. Um, so that so tracking will give you make help you make sense, and I really like the idea that it stops you a thinking you're really ill, but you can be self compassionate. And I think so much of what makes us unhappy is us beating ourselves up and expecting everything to be uh, wonderful, tip top. And why aren't I tip top when everybody else is when actually life is, is, is true and beautiful as Glenn and Doyle will say, um, it's, it's not perfection. It's, 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 it's warts and all, if you like, isn't it? And, and we can. It's impossible to be happy all the time. Mm. And we, you know, we're sort of conditioned to be happy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Give ourselves a break. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be happy all the time. And it's Mm. completely, this is why. Because you have a monthly cycle. You know, we are designed as women. I mean, I haven't had children. Um, but we are designed as women around a cycle to get pregnant. Mm. You know, and for many, many years, that's how women were seen, just as, you know, to produce children. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, you know, we're seen as, you know, amazing things. But, you know, that's sort of kind of how we've been um, brain fog, you see. That's how you've been conditioned to believe that, you know, yes. if you don't have children, what's our purpose? That's our purpose. Yeah, yeah. Not so much anymore. But whether you have children or not, you are dictated by the hormone of And it's integral. I mean, I'd love to, it's going on the curriculum at school, hopefully. There are oh, brilliant. Can you imagine young girls getting taught? You know, there are days in the month where it's brilliant for revision. Days in the month where it's going to be better for you to take an exam. Days yeah. in the month where have a big presentation. Days and months go on a first date. You know, yeah. All this information contained mm. really simple. Do it. Because I mean, <laughs> so my five-year-old son, I'm like, I would love for him to know about periods as soon as possible. Because otherwise, I see it as this like kind of crazy secret that you know no one talks about, and you've got to be let into. I confess, I am not brave enough to have that conversation. Yet. I'll come around, Melanie. <laughs> Please do. Um, but why why is it this like kind of secret that you're let into at some stage and don't tell anyone you know don't do you know one way it? you can talk to him about it no i do not i'm really passionate about is something called the period fairy so oh, she's okay. the tooth fairy's older sister and mm-hmm. she kicks ass she's like so when the tooth fairy comes around to your mm-hmm. son you can also say well there's another kind of fairy but yeah, she's not going to come and see you mm. she she'll come and see your you know sarah at school will probably mm. And she's called the period fairy, and this is what happens. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's and a good... Research has shown that if a, a little girl gets a positive response to her first period, mm. and the people closest to her, friends, family, school, it will change her body image for the rest of her life. Oh, I love that. You know, our generation, I was handed a box of tampons and, you know, a, a diagram on a bit of blue paper, and it's mm. like, what the hell is that, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah. I'm a really big sort of campaigner for little girls not having any stigma, any shame. There's mm. no shame in periods. Exactly. Of course not. Exactly. And yeah, that, uh, it, to me, it still feels like a secret that people don't talk about. So it, it's 
there's a lot of work to be done i think isn't there but that, totally. i love that totally. i love that that they will have a good body image that's fantastic and you know your son is going to have girlfriends and, yes you know, he's going to you know how how refreshing would it be when he starts having girlfriends and he's not like don't talk about mm, 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 exactly and he can then understand for her we're digressing slightly but you know there's times a month when you're not up for sex yeah completely natural mm. and having that open conversation with your partner going actually you know i work on a 28 35 day cycle whatever this is the period of my cycle where actually i really i don't want to see you i don't mm. want to have sex i just want to hang out with my girlfriends please don't be offended there's nothing wrong with our relationship mm. this is just naturally what my hormones are doing mm. how many mm. arguments is that going to save mm. in mm. relationships mm. just being honest and vulnerable and mm. admitting what's going on talking about what's going on yeah getting it out in the open mm. talking about hormone replacement therapy what are your thoughts on natural or bioidentical hormones would you call that natural hormone place replacement? Well, therapy? so it's very interesting. Uh, so you've got the, and I get them confused. You've got the bioidentical and you've got the uh, bio, I can, I'm going to have to cut the name, Melanie, but they sound very, very similar. Mm. One is prescribed by the NHS and one you go and see a consultant for, pay an awful lot of money, have a blood test and you get prescribed. Um, and I will come back to you with the, the names of the two because uh, I will have to look it up. So I actually know a practitioner who is uh, an NHS nurse and she used to work for a private clinic doing the natural uh, bioidentical thing. And she has given it up because she didn't think that there was enough evidence to warrant a the charge or the actual proof that it was doing something. She just thought that maybe it was a... Women were loving the idea that it wasn't HRT, mm. that it was a natural form of hormone replacement. They were latching onto it and paying a huge amount of money. And actually, there was no proof that it was working. Mm -hmm. So she now has gone back uh, and is prescribing NHS HRT, which is tested, which is proven. And I think for a lot of women my age, there is a huge scare around HRT. You know, I think my, my mother, you know, sadly has passed. I can't ask her. But a lot of women of her age, she would have been kind of 80 this year, were taken off HRT because of these big scares that happened. Mm. Evidence now and everything I read, everything I hear, there are huge benefits to taking HRT for long-term health, heart, heart health, um, dementia, Alzheimer's, osteoporosis, um, you know, real benefits to taking a big boost of oestrogen. And, you know, whether or not you continue to stay on it, or you decide to take it for a year or six months just to give your body a boost. There is a huge amount uh, of work being done to prove that there are a lot of benefits. Mm. I still think it's a really personal choice. And from what I'm learning about oestrogen, every woman has produces their own oestrogen. It's an mm. individual, you know, it's as individual as everything else we produce. And I don't think you can reproduce. If we all go on the same oestrogen now, the same packet. Yeah. I just find that a bit weird. Yeah. Because it really is such a personality thing. It mm. was kind of what makes us individuals a lot of the time is our is our estrogen. Yes. And a lot of women who go on the pill when they come off the pill and they've been surveyed, they feel different. They feel alive. Yes. Because they haven't been producing estrogen. Mm. And I don't know if this if a thin, synthetic estrogen is I can see the health benefits, but I wonder if the mental, I can't get my head around the mental, mm. putting something in my body that mm. 
going to dictate my personality that's come mm. from the lab. Mm, indeed. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people feel like that about tablets. I have, um, I've had clients who uh, literally they couldn't cope without HRT. So there's, mm. you know, it, it made them help them get through their day to day. But, um, and I think that's the thing. It's about, you've got to do the research. Mm. Still an awful lot of GPs aren't um, up to scratch on menopause, you know, GPs at the moment do seven hours menopause training. So like I said, right. menopause, mm. do three months obs and gynae, not every woman's going to have a baby. Mm. So, mm. you know, their knowledge is very minimal. A lot of surgeries now have a menopause specialist. If you're thinking of taking HRT, phone the surgery, ask if they've got a menopause specialist and mm. him or her. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got to do your own research. Mm. You've really got to, you know, look at people like myself, a woman called Diane Danzy Brink, the Make Menopause Matter campaign. Um, uh, Jane Lewis, me and my menopausal vagina, two big campaigners, Lizelle, big campaign of HRT. There's an awful lot of information on their website mm-hmm. about the benefits of HRT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you don't want to take HRT, look around. Marilyn Grenville is, is great. Um, her, sort of, her dietary substitute for HRT is, is fascinating. Uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, again, yeah. I mean, she's, a, she's just, isn't she? She's one of my heroes. She's a hero. Yeah. Um, so they're the people to look at, you know, if you want an alternative, an alternative. But research both and make your mm. own decision. Make mm-hmm. your own choice because you've done your research. Okay. All right. I've got one last question before we finish. So in terms of uh, alternative therapies, I mean, I know that acupuncture has helped with menopause symptoms and nutrition. Is there anything else that you or your community members find useful yeah, if I mean, you wanted to, meant, yeah, acupuncture has been really good for um, hot flushes, mm-hmm. not flushing and touching wood. Um, uh, there's an Ayurvedic, so I've kind of gone a bit down an Ayurvedic route because my skin—it's something I'm actually writing about this week. My skin has been dreadful, and I do realise that there is—it's been exacerbated since lockdown. Um, you know, there's been a stressful situation, but. I've, also appreciate there is a hormone element to it as well um so i've gone down an ayurvedic route because i've got a friend who's an ayurvedic practitioner and i'm on a supplement called ashwagandha mm-hmm. which is meant to be really really good and i you know i'm feeling good it's meant to be almost like an estrogen replacement but a um a herbal one looking at diet can be mm. really really beneficial yeah um, um, you know, putting good, I mean, Dr. Marilyn Glenville really is the woman to go to for that. Mm-hmm. It's all about phytoestrogens, about replacing estrogen with foods, mm-hmm. soy, chickpeas, legumes. Um, but then not everybody, you know, people can be sensitive to those kinds of foods as yeah. well. But yeah. You know. uh, so yes, yeah, seeing a nutritionist, talking about it, doing your, doing your research, yeah. I think it's really a time to own your mental and physical wellbeing. Mm. So I guess even counselling is going to be beneficial oh, as absolutely. well. Just to, anything that unburdens all the extra rubbish that you've been carrying to allow your body to do what it needs to do, which, I mean, I mean, that's, that's my job and what I do with my clients. It's like the emotional declutter. It's like, let's clear that away. Let's take away all those things that are holding you back. There's also physical stress going on, but as we know, physical stress, a lot of the time is caused by mental stress. Yes. There is stuff that's going around in your head. If there's a situation, if it's your relationship, your job, whatever it is that's causing you stress, or you don't even realise that it's causing you stress. Yes. It's going to have an impact on how you are physically. So yes, sort out the yeah. mental and then yeah. look at the physical. 
Yeah. Then look yeah. at you know, losing weight and toning up. But mm. you know, no point in doing that if you your head's all over the place. Exactly. I mean, that's my mantra. There's no point like looking at the diets and like, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to cha- change this. If you're not, uh, you're angry. If you're angry. If you're you know not doing what your soul wants you to do you know if you're doing something that's absolutely causing a bit inside of you to wither and die you know you need to life's too short isn't it to not be um to not be life is too short and you've got those 30 years melanie Mm. you know and it's like we want to still be in those 30 years sexual working fun you know be able to and you you need this is the time i think the perimenopause is a real wake-up call to get it all sorted Mm kind of almost got a 10-year period it's not like a rush it's not like no. a three-month window it's a kind of 10-year period so you know little steps mm. don't have to do it all at once no no again you know, cut yourself some slack <laughs> it doesn't have to be a race have a therapy session over mm. a period of years mm. you know one a month one every two months whatever but mm. keep that you know if that's really helping you keep it going mm. exercise every other day mm. Mm. eat well Saturday, go out for dinner with your friends, have a glass of wine, enjoy mm. it, you know. Mm. Exactly. Everything in moderation, be kind to yourself, but do the work. Indeed, indeed. And I wrote about um, something recently. It's like invest in your health. You know, so many people won't spend money on, for example, a therapy session when actually it, it's not the quick fix of going and buying a pair of shoes, but it is never money badly spent. So. So, so and I think for a lot of women, it's like, you're worth it. Mm. Yes, lovely, go and buy a pair of shoes and lipstick. Absolutely. Mm. But actually, you're worth more than that. Mm. And exactly. look at that. Just think about those next 30 years. Mm. If you've been repeating the same patterns for the last 50 years, and like you're not in a space where you want to be, and life's not doing what you want to do, do you really want to do another 30 years like that? Mm. Exactly. Oh. now. Joe, that's been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been an eye-opener. So if people want to uh, get in touch with you or or see the work that you're putting out there, what's the best way for people to find you? So it's Mm themerrymenopause.com is the website. You can sign up to the newsletter and you'll find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at The Merry Menopause. At The Merry Menopause. Okay, that's fantastic. Great. Thank you for talking. Thank you, Melanie.